Hello, everyone, and welcome to Devil Fruit Punch, the podcast where, once again, we are reading One Piece, and then we're going to talk about it. I am, of course, your host, John, and joining me today from Pyongyang is Matt. Hey, how's it going, everybody? It's um, a lot cooler here than it was where I was coming from. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And also joining me is Patrick Ramirez. Everybody, Matt, you seem to get around a lot. That's uh, you're a world traveler with this podcast. This is amazing. You you bring the same setup everywhere. Yeah, no, I, you know when the Steam Deck came out, I thought, hey, why stick in one place? It's a great device. All Play right. Well, I want to start the podcast off talking about an email that we had. Robin sent it in. Uh, I'm not gonna pull it up and read it. I'm just gonna paraphrase because it was relatively short and to the point. Classic Robin. Um, Basically, Robin has a theory that I think she submitted because we were talking about theories a lot in some previous episodes. Uh, Actually, I'm going to rephrase that. I was talking a lot about theories and y'all talked a little bit about theories. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think we've gotten our fair share. Okay, well, that makes me feel better. So uh, Robin chimed in as well. Her theory that I think she also mentioned getting from the Internet. Uh, not necessarily coming up with herself, although if she did, I'm happy to correct myself. Uh, but basically, it's called Croco Mom, uh, Patrick. This is where the theory is. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Patrick. Do you have any guesses on what Croco Mom might mean? Well, I did read the Discord chat earlier, so oh, okay. I know. Okay, <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> I thought John DM'd me that for some reason. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, so that Sorry, I, am, I am familiar with this theory now. Okay. I was not before yesterday or whatever it was. <laughs> Well, do you want to explain what it is to the listeners? It is the theory that crocodile um, pre-transition due to uh, was it not Vegapunk or was it Iva? Um, Evenkov, yeah. Evenkov, even Doctor Evenkov, yeah, or Mister Mrs. Evenkov, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I think King, King or, King or Queen the, is the title. Oh, yeah, King yeah. Drag Queen. <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before, like, apparently, the theory is that like. Uh, they helped Crocodile transition to current form Mr. Crocodile, but mm-hmm. when she was Mrs. Crocodile was uh, Luffy's mom is the fan theory, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that, that, that Crocodile mean... gave birth to Luffy prior to his transition. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So uh, I like this theory. The, the theory? thing that uh, Robin brought up was that Crocodile actually starts trying to help slash save Luffy when... Uh, at the same time that Ivankov finds out that Luffy mm. is Dragon's son. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no kidding. Remember, because Ivankov finds that out on the bottom floor of Impel Down, which is where Crocodile was. Mm-hmm. And even so, like during the um, the Summit War, um, Crocodile's a person whose character, like, like his stated motivations, clash with what he's actually doing. Because like by the end, right, like he's just very explicitly helping Luffy out. Even though he he said the whole reason he came was to kill Whitebeard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would really go a long ways to help square that circle. Yeah. So I like that theory. Um, yeah. Definitely seems plausible. It would also kind of explain Crocodile's whole deal now mm-hmm. a little bit because maybe he used to be this like idealistic kind of guy who believed that, you know, world revolution was possible and that things could really change. And then he became kind of like black pilled. 
And as a result, he had a falling out with Luffy's father and then wound up creating Baroque works, you know? Yeah. And I mean, like Baroque works was originally described as like a utopian project, which Mm -hmm. never quite made sense. And, you know, it's quickly revealed to be something very cynical instead. But yeah, that idea of like a jaded former revolutionary kind of using revolutionary rhetoric Mm -hmm. um, makes a lot of sense. And like the question of like, who is Luffy's mom is a big one that fans have. It might never come up you know who knows but um if it does i do like that it would be somebody that we're already familiar with somebody who's kind of been hiding in plain sight um there's another character that i've heard theorized as potentially luffy's mom who we've not met yet but uh i'll Mm. make sure to bring it up when we do run into them for the first time all right well that's it for the email section we will now move on to the chapters uh which are 603 through 619 thanks robin Yeah, thank you. Yeah, love hearing from you. Luffy and company finally set sail for Fishman Island. The Super 3, which is what I am now calling Sanji, Zoro, and Luffy, fight a Kraken together. Uh, Eventually, they come across Captain Vanderdecken and his ship, the Flying Dutchman. Uh, Both ships flee um, due to underwater volcanic eruptions happening uh, near them. And the Straw Hats finally find themselves actually at fishman island uh we're sort of introduced to fishman island uh hammond of the uh new fishman pirates <laughs> uh later we're also introduced to hody jones the leader and a bunch of other crew members as well um in classic fashion as soon as the crew actually makes it to fishman island uh they are separated due to a coup de burst when they're trying to escape from hammond uh, so Luffy, Sanji, Chopper, and Usopp find themselves being taken care of by Kami. Uh, Sanji is dying from having nosebleeds because he's so horny. Uh, turns out that Vanderdecken is also horny for the mermaid princess, and as a result, King Neptune is hunting him, essentially. Uh, one of the four emperors of the New World, whose name is Big Mom, has set up a Willy Wonka-style candy factory on Fishman Island ever since Whitebeard died. <laughs> Uh, the boys, including Luffy, reunite with Nami, who is currently putting Papog out of uh, business by taking all of his merchandise, uh, and they eventually come face-to-face with King Neptune himself. <sighs> so much. <laughs> so much in, like, 15 uh, chapters. Like I said, we are introduced to Hody Jones. He's the captain of the new Fishman Pirates. He's also a user of performance-enhancing pills. Uh, Caribou, who I <laughs> forgot to mention... Um, he starts kidnapping mermaids and then later Luffy and and company sort of get blamed for that. Luffy at some point wanders around the palace until he eventually ends up walking on the fattest pair of mommy milkers you ever did see, which ends up belonging to princess Shirahoshi, who is the daughter of King Neptune. Uh, Hody and Deccan form a pact and join forces. Oh my god, this is so long. They begin their assault on the palace. Brook and Usopp manage to save King Neptune. And finally, Luffy and Shirahoshi flee to the ocean forest where they meet with Jinbei, which Luffy has been looking forward to. Sorry about that. I didn't realize how long that was, but no, I was cutting out a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, one thing I want to shout out is uh, Luffy is apparently just immune to poison now. <laughs> yeah, or at least resistant. Magellan. He, yeah, I mean, yeah, because he, he gets attacked by a, a blue ring octopus fish man, um, mm-hmm. which, as I understand, is one of the most poisonous uh, creatures in the world, in like the real world. Um, 
so yeah, it, I don't know. That's just another immunity that our, our our beloved captain is racking up. I'm hesitant to quite call it an immunity because I think if he went back up against Magellan, he probably would still get fucked up by Magellan. That's fair. But yeah, I think I, just I like regular poisons are probably fine. Yeah, there's a big difference between like just getting drowned in five different types of poison like Magellan can do and just some guy who happens to be poisonous. It's really just kind of thrown in there, too. It's not really dwelled upon at all. No. Yeah. Um. That, I, I'm glad that you that you chimed in about that, Matt, because that is like they kind of slow roll that. Um, mm-hmm. And that definitely has implications. Um, all right. Let's talk about caribou. Uh, what did you guys think of this this fucking freak? <laughs> I fucking hate caribou. Another man. one what of is- Oda's disgusting freaks that he likes to parade around. Um, somebody I saw on the internet called caribou the buggy of the new world, which is mm. probably the best way I've found any affection for this guy at all. Because um, my natural instinct on him is he is a disgusting, bloodthirsty psycho who is like just kidnapping like mermaids and is way too big for his britches. And even his power is gross. He's a swamp man who can turn into mud. And um, yeah, and the way he kills people by drowning them in swamp. It's like so gross. Well, yeah, sometimes he's killing them. I think sometimes like we, we played dungeons of dragons together and, and your listener, you might not be familiar, but there's a, a very popular item in that called a bag of holding which is basically just a bag that is a portable like a portable dimension where you can just store more stuff than the bag looks like it could contain. Uh, and I think that his swamp body is kind of similar. He can just kind of put people into himself and pull them out later. We, we find out that this is part of his um, scheme to kidnap as many mermaids as possible to sell into slavery when he you know gets back to Shibodi. Um That's actually interesting because I wonder if Blackbeard's power might have a similar thing going on. I wonder if it's a he good question. suck stuff into his body because he's darkness. Well, we, we saw that at um, Impel Down, I want to say. He, he sucked um, some of the Marines into himself and then kind of expelled them. And, and when he did, they were very kind of shaken and depressed and, and not fit to fight. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Caribou, yeah. I think, is an internet reply guy. Like, But I was looking <laughs> at the Swamp Swamp abilities a little more metaphorically, you know? It's like... sure. He is made of, and he exudes just stinky, worthless crap, and nobody I, I, really wants it, but he is just there anyway. Something, I'm probably talking too much already, but like something I do like about what Caribou is functioning as right here is something that I think that this arc, sometimes it's really good with, sometimes I think it kind of holds it back, but the idea that the Straw Hats are... This is like the first post-time skip arc, right? Like, everyone's stronger now. Everyone gets to show off how strong mm-hmm. they are. So it kind of doesn't... It, it, this is sort of a unique opportunity to not have the Straw Hats necessarily so overwhelmed by the power of their enemy. They get to kind of flex a little. And I like that Caribou is, you know, initially presented kind of like a credible threat would, but, oh no, he's just a goofus. Like, like Frankie immediately notices him, hammers <laughs> him into the barrel, and it's like, oh, okay, well, good thing that guy's a moron or that could have been trouble. Um, it's also what makes it frustrating to me that a random mermaid randomly goes up to the barrel and randomly goes, I wonder what's in this. Let's find out. Um, triggering this whole nonsense. But anyway, sorry, Patrick, what do you think of this guy? Yeah. Tell me your caribou so, thoughts. Uh, from early in the arc, he is a he's a cold-blooded psychopath. Like he's <laughs> killing <laughs> Marines, like executing Marines. I mean, burying them know? alive. Yeah. Burying yeah. them alive. And then you find out that, Oh no, they just straight up 
they just executed him, right? Because he didn't actually talk to the Navy. I think that's what they said, right? So yeah. You see, um, like, them shooting him. I thought it was, like, point blank, like, he was well, dead. Well, yeah, they, they did just kill the, the Navy guy. Um, yeah. They were, they wanted, he wanted to bury them alive, but they're like, Shabodi's all, like, roots. We, we can't, we can't dig, mm-hmm. really. So, uh, he says, okay, whatever, I'll just kill him and move on. Yeah, but he's so, he's scary in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what's his brother's name? It doesn't caribou. matter. The, yeah, the other remember. caribou guy. I don't know. The other caribou. It's like caribou blood something and caribou face something. <laughs> I genuinely don't remember if he's even alive at this point. Because like the whole <laughs> ship gets wiped out by the Kraken. Um, oh, yeah. that's true. He could have. But uh, yeah, anyway, I mean, like caribou as a character villain, I thought was good until basically until the barrel scene where he is. <laughs> he, he melts away through the ropes and then he puts himself in the barrel. And then he's like plotting his next move out loud, and Frankie's like, "The fuck you say?" He's very clearly <laughs> noticing him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's like, he's. I think he's more dangerous than idiotic, but he's definitely mm-hmm. idiotic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I will say we we got the first of not to. This is a very light spoiler, I think, but the first of many scenes of Caribou overhearing the Straw Hats thinking about something, or talking about something rather, in, in a way that could eventually have some very interesting implications um he's kind of up just always hanging around uh listening in on things and yeah, yeah he's starting up here he's a fucking creep yeah, um, he sucks. I, hate him. <laughs> I really hate him <laughs> um so i want to I, I want you kind of alluded to this matt but i want to get both of your like main takeaways on it mm-hmm. uh sort of the increase in power level that all of our main crew members get um i just yeah, I, I think it's interesting to talk about, and maybe we can like go around the horn. But for example, I liked how Chopper's guard point was like huge now. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that <laughs> giant sure. guard point. Like that's that was came in clutch, dude. He protected the whole ship. Yeah, yeah. that was cool. And the art was hilarious. This tiny little face and this gigantic fuzzball. And that's mm-hmm. classic One Piece, where it's like goofy and ridiculous, and in this case, it's kind of cute, but also like powerful and scary at the same time. One of my favorite um, pieces of art in One Piece, and this is pointed out by um, uh, an artist I follow on Twitter named Casey Green, who is probably best known for creating the This Is Fine dog. Oh, and, uh, okay. The dick butt internet meme, if you're familiar with, th- with that at all. Oh, yes. But um, um, he pointed out this incredible panel in, Thrill- in Thriller Bark when um, Ors is like, he just grabs Chopper with his fist, and then you just see this tiny, like, one centimeter diameter Chopper face. Mm-hmm. sticking out through the hand is like oh i'm fine um <laughs> anytime chopper has a tiny little face on like a large panel uh 10 out of 10 for me <laughs> yeah so uh what do, what do you guys think what were some of your favorite power-ups i know what matt's uh, gonna say <laughs> oh i'm curious what you think i'm gonna say because i i do have a clear one in mind um, does meal floor ring any bells oh <laughs> for what, no, that was um, Mill Flora would be a Robin. Oh yeah, yeah. Nico Robin. Duh. It was. I, I loved Robin's growing hands out of the ship to like save them from the rocks. Yeah, um, was, that was that a the giant hand? Yeah, that was during was, the volcano eruption, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, when they're getting blasted away by the current, and and she kind of helps deflect them from just crashing against the rocks. Yeah, I I was going to say something different actually, but Patrick, did you uh, have one for this? I think my favorite one is uh, Luffy, honestly, because he's really in control now. I guess you kind of get that sense from the last arc. I reread the last arc and got oh, okay. like, yeah. and I was kind of like, oh man, yeah, like I didn't, 
I didn't really get the the change in Luffy is like more evident to me than it was mm-hmm. last time. But um, this part where he's uh, he does the hockey in front of the Neptunian, yeah. the Neptunian. I think I it's, love that moment. Yeah, that's really cool because that's I think that's like just showcasing like here's how Luffy's different. Like everyone knows that happened. Spent two mm-hmm. years getting more powerful, but here's like a really great show of like what 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 he can do now, and everyone's like, oh fuck. And I love that moment for showing it off because he does like the gear three elephant gun, which is like the just cartoonishly huge fist. And then it all just turns like black. He hardens it, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He uses hockey on it. It's like, oh shit. That's the difference. Yeah. I, yeah. New, like post time skip Luffy is very cool and impressive. I love that he's casually using like conquerors hockey just to. Mm-hmm. basically command like animals more or less and oh, it's uh so cool when he does it, that. it's also kind of paying off something that has always been a thing in one piece which is luffy befriending giant creatures <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, right. there's yeah. even another one in this arc which is a, a giant person but still a type of creature <laughs> which is a mermaid but yeah, I, I i'm excited to talk about luffy and shirahoshi in a little bit and uh, I'm glad you brought up Luffy, Patrick, because the elephant gun was fucking sick. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, he just makes cool. a giant bullet out of his arm. <laughs> so I, I want to get to mine, but I do want to really quickly shout out that we did get confirmation in SBS during these chapters that Luffy's scar is from Akainu punching him, um, like we discussed. It's still really weird to me that y- they didn't make that clear in the manga. and <laughs> He just kind of... I don't know why they didn't draw it. Yeah, I don't. I, I've I haven't seen the anime version of this yet. I've heard the anime makes it a lot more obvious, but um, but like, yeah, why I agree. would you not? Do it's that, weird. Like, I, yeah. I think sure. I told my theory about this to you, Matt, but not Patrick. Is that correct? I, I know you told uh, me. I, I don't know if Patrick heard this I one. Think it, uh, I don't remember. Yeah, go ahead. Basically, I I, I my head which is probably not true, but it's just how I rationalize it. You know, um, is that. The X scar is from Law's surgery to fix the hole in his stomach or in his chest. Oh, so he, he had to like almost dead. Yeah, so my theory is he kind of had to like do that cross cut to kind of like peel back the layers of flesh and whatever, mm-hmm. and like rearrange the guts inside and then sew it back up. It's a good theory. It, it it's just weird. Like it's weird that whatever it was that it wasn't shown off. Like when Luffy was in the sick bed in the sub. And then it's just weird that we don't see it until after he's on the island with Rayleigh's training. Because I remember yeah. when I first read this, just assuming, oh, I guess he like got gored by a rhino or something. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's just because he's covered in bandages, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you, you can't see oh, it. Oh, that's a good point. Well, I mean, it's also not a scar. Like, you know, the fake Luffy had scars kind of on his body. I think the yeah. fake Luffy had an X on his stomach, right? But it was all <laughs> stitches. And it's like, that's what I'd expect if it was like a cut, like for surgery. It'd be right. like a stitch. This is like, he got, you know, struck by lightning in his chest yeah, or something. Yeah, to me, it, it looks like a burn mark, um, yeah. which I, I think fits uh, the magma attack. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, but so in terms of like power-ups, this is, I thought, my favorite, but I, I, I've, we'll get into this more. I have kind of mixed feelings about this arc. Um, so this is both one of my favorite power-up moments and also a moment that I feel probably hurts the story um which is there's a great scene when hody and the new fishman pirates are attacking the um ryugu castle or whatever it's called uh, you know where the royal family lives and hody floods the entire castle and solo basically says like y'all get out of here i'm gonna you know i'll hold them off i'll I'll buy you some time 
and they're fully immersed in water. And we remember from Arlong Park that like fishmen are just like supercharged when they're fighting underwater. And they just kind of reveal off screen that like Solo totally owned the main villain of this arc, like in his ideal environment, which I thought was cool. Like, cause to me, it, it, it's a little more subtle than some of the other stuff, but I thought that that was a really sick moment of just like, yeah, even like holding his breath, sluggish movements or whatever. Solo can beat like the baddest guy around who, you know, guy is so tough. Nobody else can keep up with them. I think it's kind of hurt though, that like, this is the main bad guy and we're like a third of the way into like a 50 something chapter thing. Like, he has the drugs, which I get, but it's like, I don't know, it's a little weird that the guy has to pop pills to seem scary or whatever, but it's also post-time skip, so eh, I don't know. I think it's cool because um, this is the new world, right? Mm-hmm. And so, not, I feel like... Not this, yet, actually. Oh, this doesn't count? This so is like the halfway point, basically. Yeah. This is like the portal into the new world. So this is like located directly below. Oh, the red line. Right? Um, yeah, the red line. Exactly. So yeah, that's right. It's, it's I mean, kind of like a good the transition. It's like yeah. illustrating that like this. Because then they say in the last arc, the um, everyone who goes into the new world always calls this part of the this part of the blue like the it was it was paradise or something paradise. like that. Or we had yeah, the so first good. half. Yeah, yeah, yeah first half. we had no idea. And and to your point, like I, I think that the most new world. Like, I think if, if, you, if you had to decide is Fishman Island part of the New World or the Old World, you can't just say neither or both. Mm-hmm. I think it would be New World because um, a very important feature of the New World is that everything in it is part of, unless it's like a marine base, it's part of an emperor's territory. Yeah. And uh, like, it was previously Wipers, now it's Big Moms, who, by the way, is one of my favorite characters in the entire thing. I'm really excited <laughs> we're starting to get into Big Mom stuff. Um but yeah, I, I think that the the fact that it's claimed by a Yonko is one of the things that just makes it New World by default. 100%. Um, are there any more power-up things that you want to talk about, or can we move on to uh, just, yeah, like Hody Jones and all that stuff? Can I talk about Sanji first? Yeah. We gotta, we I, I had one Sanji. more, too, so you, you do yours first. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't want to talk about his power-up. His power I wanted to talk about his power down. Oh, <laughs> or his uh, Achilles nose. Okay, okay. We'll we'll talk about that next. Mine is quick. Uh, Frankie has nipple lights. I love oh, Jesus. Yeah, oh, those are great. <laughs> so Frankie funny. So cool. I love Frankie so much, man. What did they? Yeah, when they said that the, when he said he had a light, they're like, "Oh, what's going to? Oh, your shoot? eyes? Is yeah. your eyes going to light up?" Yeah, he's yeah, like, like, "Why no. are they down there?" <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, all right. So yeah, Sanji is out of commission basically because he needs constant blood transfusions. Because he's just doing, like, you know how projectile vomiting is a thing? He has projectile nosebleeds. Yeah, so th- this is an old trope in, like, like a jokey trope in Japanese media. I don't know what actually started it, but for a while, one of the ways they portray somebody being, like, horny is them having a nosebleed. Really? Yeah. That's, like, yep. a cultural um, trope over there? Yeah, I mean, it, like, it, I, I don't know. It, it's it's tricky to talk about this stuff, because, like, I... I I don't have any credentials or expertise. Aren't you Japanese, really, Matt? Like, yeah, exactly. So, but like, <laughs> it, it's kind of like you know, if if you watch Looney Tunes, like you pick up certain things that just become like essential cartoon logic that you see in other cartoons, like right? the bump on the head if you get smacked with a hammer. So or something. actually, yeah, Pepe Le Pew is part of the lore of our show, and it's like when Pepe Le Pew has the heart that shoots out of his heart. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like the hard eyes, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> totally. And so, like, 
you know, I, I, cultural might be a little overstating it, I guess, but like it, it's just one of those kind of comic tropes that you see in all sorts of media. And like anytime they really want to exaggerate that, if they want to say oh, this character is really horny, they might have them like bleed so much that they pass out. But it's always a nosebleed, and and it could be a boy, it could be a girl. I, I think also it's just a way to kind of av- like avoid censorship. Instead of showing a person like getting a heart on or something, it's <laughs> yeah. just a it's an easy child friendly way to say, oh, that person's being silly about uh, somebody they're attracted to, hmm. and it's it's just funny. I mean, it's just funny to see somebody just start shooting blood out of their nose. Um. So without that context, Patrick, what did you think about this? I thought it was an interesting way to create a huge dilemma that nearly kills Sanji. <laughs> it was just that his his obsession with like. Or his inability to cope with <laughs> looking at pretty women uh, just nearly kills him and nearly kills everyone because he almost pops the bubble in the boat, right, and all that. And um, The constant need of blood transfusions brings up a conversation about uh, why fishmen don't want to give their blood because humans were the first ones that didn't want to give blood to fishmen. And it's like this whole fucking saga of, yeah, you know... Yeah. Uh, baggage and history and really interspecies relationships is brought on because Sanji's nose bled uncontrollably <laughs> after seeing uh, Nami and somebody else I can't remember but yeah and I kind of like that about Sanji like not Sanji the character but like the way Oda wrote him I guess but the fact that his misogyny is the only word that you can really, really use to describe it is a real weakness like it does actually handicap him in certain situations like Mm -hmm. this is one example but there was also um the chick at any slobby that he got his (laughs) ass whooped by because he was too chivalrous or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah so for me like this is a really i don't know if i like it or i don't like it to be honest but this is an interesting moment where oda kind of takes the gag and then without making it less of a gag makes it actually like important to the plot and relevant because you're right, like, the idea of, like, human-fishman relations as, like, an allegory for racism is, like, a really important part of, of this arc. And, and we even got that uh, kind of conversation between uh, Frankie and Tom's brother about how they don't really look alike. And he's like, well, when fish, you know, fishmen mm-hmm. or mermen, or, you know, mer- people have kids, um, they could look radically different from their parents, and it's not something to really think about. It's like you humans who obsess over, you know, grouping people by appearance or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, with Sanji, like, I don't know if I'd necessarily characterize it as, like, misogyny on his part, like, but this is really bound up in, like, the kind of uncomfortable and problematic context of the the new comma time skip stuff, where part of the reason why Sanji is freaking out so much around these, you know, attractive women is, uh, conventionally attractive women, I should say, is, uh, you know, he was on New Kama land, or, uh, or the, the Kamabaka kingdom for two years. And to him, he was not seeing a quote-unquote real woman in all of that time. And so for him to go from that context to, I, I think it's fair to say his version of like the ideal paradise of beautiful women being everywhere at all times, um, like he can't handle it. And like when he ultimately gets over it, like he, he literally turns to stone for no apparent reason. When he sees Shirahoshi, but afterwards, he's just kind of back to the old Sanji. Chopper even makes a comment of like, oh, he's cured. He's back to normal, you mm-hmm. know, normal level of Sanji-ness now. So, I don't know. I, I think that there's definitely some kind of, I don't even know if homophobia is the right word, but you know, some weird anti-queer stuff that is still kind of being played in a not very serious in a jokey way. That, that's even, 
He comes up again because that's how he gets a blood transfusion because there, there are two Okama who just randomly show up for another gag of like, hi, sweetie, um, and then leave. You, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. They, they say there are no visitors here, but anyway. Sorry. All right, that's enough about Sanji. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And we're back to the podcast. So I hear that, Patrick, uh, you want to talk about yes. Vander Decken and the Flying Dutchman. Uh, this is great because I do have some prepared material for that. I love prepared mm. material. <laughs> yeah, so tell, I thought it was cool. Tell me your thoughts. I uh, thought it was super cool. I love the little... I thought it was just going to be an Easter egg. I didn't know we were going to get this whole character out of it, but seeing the Flying Dutchman uh, very early on before the Kraken, uh, it was just like a cool pirate thing, you know, because he's got pirate lore in people's names usually, mm-hmm. like Eustace the Kid and Blackbeard and whatever. But uh, I think this is the first time we see like it's like seeing the Black Pearl or something like a famous ghost <laughs> ship from pirate or just from his history and mytho- and lore, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, to see that in here, I thought was really cool because I don't think it, they've really done that. Oda's not really done that before with things. Yeah, that's a big move. And um, I, I do want to also pair that with where we're getting some references to Noah. Um, right. With this gigantic structure of some sort in the Fishman district. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're getting these two super iconic like ships uh kind of all at once it's really interesting and the noah they just call it noah right the ship is called noah and it's exactly like the canonical like biblical noah's ark looking gigantic yeah it's huge and uh so yeah i didn't i didn't really put that together but he does it twice in here he just doesn't Mm -hmm. call that the ark you know he just calls it noah but yeah yeah yeah. uh i have a question about the flying dutchman shoot does that mean that Belgium exists in this world? <laughs> is there pirate Belgium? Belgium Island is 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 the uh, what was the who was the captain of the flying? Du- it was Davy. It wasn't Davy Jones, right? Who was the uh, captain of the flying Dutchman in in lore? Yeah, well, Davy, so Davy I, I think Jones, in, right? Indiana Jones. Davy? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> Davy Jones. No googling. No googling. Let's see if we can just well, guess. No, it was... <laughs> in parts of the Caribbean, it was like Davy Jones, right? But that's yeah, but that's not the real. That was some other. Well, was it Davy? That's Jones? also what it is in SpongeBob. Which maybe it is Davy Jones then. Okay, so I am. Um, I I did look it up. I, I can withhold it if you want, but um, I don't think you're going to like the answer. Who is it? It has no answer. It's just a ghost ship. Yeah, they don't really get into. Like the idea of there well, being a person. Then it's Davy Jones, like I said. <laughs> yeah. Thank or you. Or it's uh, Captain Vanderbeek, like it is in uh, in this in this arc. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Captain I, <laughs> I also wanted to bring up. Uh, <laughs> this is so stupid. I'm gonna waste no time on this. I apologize. Um, they, they call themselves the New Fishman Pirates. I yeah. was just like, come on, you can come up with a better name than just the New Fishman <laughs> Pirates, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who are these new Fishman Pirates? Yeah, that's our name. <laughs> no, honestly, I'm, I'm glad you said that because, like, to me, that is, I, I don't mean to be so down on this, I promise, but, like, that, that's something I don't really love about this arc is that it's like, what, fucking Arlong Jr. all of a sudden? Like, come on, man. Be your own dude. <laughs> what do you mean the new Fishman Pirates? Have yeah. your own thing. It, it reminds me of the bit in uh, Silicon Valley, the HBO TV show, where, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think his name is like Jin Yang or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
he's an Asian dude and he's developing all these like knockoff softwares and yeah. he just has a whiteboard where he wrote like new Facebook, <laughs> new Spotify, yeah. new YouTube. <laughs> that's really yeah. funny. Yeah, oh, that's man. true. Um, <laughs> yeah. While we're talking, I, I did want to talk a little bit about um, Vanderdeck in here. Um, for one, he just has a gigantic, weird-looking dude named Watatsumi, who, who's just his, I don't know. It, it's like an old Tom and Jerry cartoon of like the the little dog who's like the smart bully, and then the big dog who's like stupid but strong. Um, I, th- I feel like they've got that dynamic to a T. But some people I don't think love Vanderdeck, and I mean he is a creep and a weirdo, but I like him a lot actually. I, I think his character design is really weird and interesting. This kind of hunched over like zoot suit looking guy with like four legs. Um, a lot of, and this isn't like specific to one piece, but I think one piece does it a lot is, is like certain characters having like a vocal affect. Um, like, a, like a cat, like character might like say Nyan at the end of their thing. Cause that's like a cat sound. Vander Decken's vocal affect is my favorite in the whole thing. Cause he just says, I think like after every other <laughs> sentence. And I don't know, mm-hmm. that's really funny to me for, for no reason. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I like Vanderdeck, and he, he's just such a, a, a goofy doofus. I like the Mark Mark fruit as a concept. I, I think it's cool that he can just designate up to two people and just shoot stuff at them. <laughs> what if he can do three always, people, you know, at but... least hit nearby them um, if it gets deflected? And let's just get great moments like him just like bombarding these, you know, these human pirates who are barely a click above prisoners of war at this point. Uh, into the castle so that they can open the gate on their end. Uh, it's neat. Doesn't it only work if he's touched them? Yeah. He has to have touched whatever this mark is, so he has that glove on. I feel like there's a lot of like Michael Jackson-esque oh, kind of yeah. character design in You're One right. Piece. It started with um, with uh, numbers. Was it number well, three? No, it, was, um, it was the from hypnotist Robert's. from uh, Usopp's origin, <laughs> yeah. uh, Django. That oh, was yeah. like chapter yeah, four or something, wasn't Man. it? <laughs> it was so- <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, that's the first guy, yeah. And then yeah. it's kind of carried over like almost You're every right. arc. There's somebody like this. And in this one, it's uh, it's it's Vander Vanderdeck. Yeah, because he's wearing like the fedora, like kind of like in the, moon- the Moonwalker outfit. And then he's yeah. got the glove on. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I I did not put two and two together And on even in the last arc, Brooks, when he's in that jail cell with the guitar... Yeah, but I realize it's not an air guitar. It was an actual guitar okay. that somehow is in the jail cell. But like, he does the forty-five degree bend thing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Michael Jackson did in the whatever music live video. Wait, whatever. Was that a Michael Jackson thing? I didn't know that. Yeah, where they like lean forward because oh, they have yeah. like a hook in the boot, and there's a nail on the ground that they hook in. Oh, and, I had no idea. Yeah, so oh, that crazy. just made me think of that. Oh, I'm so glad I, you said that. <laughs> I have a theory about Vander Decken. Yeah. He can actually mark three people. Mm. Oh, and no. guess what he marks the third oh, person no. with? Oh, no, John. Guess. Right, we're, we're already at a, mo- a mommy milkers level. Let, let's see what level we're yeah, I'm going to let you say the words, yeah, John. Go, you, you can go, you right go ahead on and spill it out. Yeah. Vander Decken, more like Vander Dick in. When he gets oh, his boy. dick in you, he's marked you. And then- I got to say, I, I don't like thinking about that guy fucking. <laughs> it seems uncomfortable to me. It, se- it seems like not a lot of consent is probably given. On the it's other all side. there in the text, man. I'm not, I'm not stretching at all. So, what, so like my main criticism of this arc is that it, it kind of feels ambivalent or like mixed up or like trying to go in two ways at this, like two opposite directions at the same time in a way that kind of ties it down. But this is really making me realize that Vanderdecken. Like, that's true of him, 
as much of anybody, but it, it just works for some reason in a way that it doesn't for some others. Like him being like, you're going to marry me or I'm going to kill you. Um, so I'm going to throw a gigantic axe at you with a rose design on it. It's just, I don't know, it's very funny to me. It's like, hey, do you want, like, it could be romantic or lethal. Like, wh- what do you want? I mean, it, also, it's an axe and it's, it's just going to kill you if you don't keep your door closed. But okay, I, 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 I don't have a point. He's just a, he's just a goofy guy. I like him. He is kind of a dark mirror version of uh, the famous Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> I think Pepe Le Pew is a great comparison for him. Yeah. <laughs> what if Pepe Le Pew had a power that was really useful for killing people? <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about Shark Lady and her prophecy. Now um, Charlie, yeah. My favorite thing about Shark Lady is that I'm pretty sure Chopper was like, we cannot let Sanji see her. <laughs> and I agree with yeah. Chopper. She is incredibly hot i have to say 100 (laughs) chopper made the right call yeah (laughs) chopper made a medical decision (laughs) exactly sanji is like whoa whoa, we he just died there's no way then they say like don't let him know that there's anything back here like this is not the room you're in yeah are you literally like don't even tell him that he's in the mermaid cafe right now (laughs) (laughs) and sanji also we sorry we're like already talked about this but sanji has a part where he's like I would rather, what do you say? I would rather oh, yeah. die than not experience the heaven that is Mermaid Land or whatever. <laughs> well, and, and it, it, it is silly and jokey, but he's even like, this is this is a dream of mine. Like, I, I have to, I have to do it. It's my dream. I, I can't not be a man who pursues his dream. He even says this is the all blue to me. That was a little much. It's like, come on, man. That means something different. You know it. <laughs> I think he was speaking metaphorically. Is like, this I, is I, like that. This is a dream of. Well, yeah, I mean, which I some of his other dreams are being able to go invisible so he can be a creep. Well, and like this is jumping around, but like they're they're just some weirdly like overshot exaggerations with some of the dialogue here. Like when Luffy tells Shirahoshi, "You're a crybaby. I hate you." Mm-hmm. It's like, he he clearly doesn't hate her. Come on, like you, you're you're going a little too far on it. It, it, it. Him saying this is the all blue, I don't know. It, it gets a little carried away here. All right, so let's but, let's mm. get back to Shark Lady because Charlie, she seems yeah. pretty convinced that Luffy is going to bring a great upheaval to Fishman Island. Um, and she's never story- wrong with her prophecies. Yeah, they really make a point of emphasizing she has never been wrong ever. Like she, she was so right. It bummed her out, and she stopped trying because there was never even a question of it. To you guys, did did the wording seem a little uh, ambiguous? To where so, I, she just said he brings ruin upon their town. I forget that she's there's something about brings ruin upon here or something like that. Brings ruin to Fishman Island. Yeah, she she specifically said Fishman Island. Okay. She's she's definitely said Fishman Island. What I'm a little unsure of is I, I did reread a synopsis of this on a, a fan wiki, and in that they really made a point of, and maybe this is more of an anime thing. I don't remember. I should have reread it. Um, but saying that a fi- like a man in a straw hat will bring great ruin in the manga. I don't remember them making that distinction. I think I don't remember fair- them saying straw hat. I think yeah, I, to, uh, I don't. I kind of do remember that actually. Okay. No, that, that's good. That's good. Because, yeah, it wasn't something I was trying to clock at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we'll see, right? <laughs> yeah. So, Didn't... like, okay. well, just, uh, this is an interesting arc, um, kind of like, it, it's not quite the same as Skypea, where Skypea, it's like, I, I think there's an educated guess to be made of it's going to actually have, like, long-term lore implications down the road. 
but here, like, they're kind of seeding stuff that we're not going to get to for a while. And, like, not to spoil the rest of this arc too much, but, like, we're not going to find out what the deal is with this prophecy, like, in Boo the next this man. 30 chapters. Boo this man, Sorry, man. Hey, stop, I'm just, I'm just saying, trap, I'm just saying, man. Like, it, it, it's setting up some interesting implications for what could happen down the road. And, like, yeah. could it be a, a good thing? Could it be a bad? Like, it's hard to say. Like, what does that mean? She, you know, he brings her into Fishman Island. I don't know. Um, I that's guess we'll part see. of what's for, yeah, that's part of what's frustrating about evaluating this arc, though, is that we don't really know what it means. It fully means what? Yet. What if it? Because is it in this arc in the beginning? No, I think it's the last one. Does it show that picture of uh, Rayleigh um, reminiscing, and he's thinking about his oh, no, time when he, when, he, when he first met Dragon, or no, um, when he first met Gold Roger? Roger. Oh, yeah, that, that was yeah. part of these chapters. Yeah, I'm Gold really Roger was wearing a straw hat, right? Yeah, it, yeah. We find out here. Yeah, Luffy. Luffy's wearing the same hat that right. was originally Rogers. This is the first time we find that out. Right. For um, some reason, I thought that was, dra- I thought, yeah, that wasn't Dragon. So I was like, oh, maybe Dragon comes back here. But yeah, you're right. It was, it was Gold Roger and he mm-hmm. looks exactly like Luffy. <laughs> yeah. It's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I almost wonder if that was like artistic license where it's like Rayleigh doesn't really remember what young Roger looked like. Because he probably mm, knew him the majority of his life as an older person, so he's kind mm-hmm. of like projecting Luffy's likeness onto the young Roger. Because he's like, "Oh, that's what you were like. That's what I remember yeah, I you as." That. But th- there's a fun parallel there too of, of like Roger getting on uh, Rayleigh's boat and be like, "Hey, join my crew." To me, like you know, we've been rewatching the live uh, action, and it's really making me think back to the early chapters. It, it seems so reminiscent of him approaching a guy like Zolo. Yep. I've said, like, hey, join my crew. And I was like, Who the f- no, fuck off. <laughs> like, he doesn't yeah. even have a ship. And he's like, I'm a pirate captain. I'm yeah, like, bitch, exactly. what are you pirate captain of? This yeah, is my Pearl ship. Be like, hey, I came here from a barrel. The barrel's uh, broken now, by the way. But uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I talk real quick about one of the SBSs? I guess it wasn't an SBS. It was a drawing that was done of the young warlords. Please. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, please do. I just think they're interesting because I think they have little kernels of information mm-hmm. in them yes such yeah. as uh marshall d teach is at night mm-hmm. he's the only character that has a sun or moon and there's a sun or a moon to indicate that it's nighttime and he's crying like and he's crying um we also see bartholomew kuma and he's carrying like a bundle of sticks he almost looks like he's like a forester or something like that I'm really glad mm. you brought this up because, like, I, I remember seeing some discussion about this recently, and there was speculation that um, Kuma, they're like, I guess demi human would be the term, like a very fantasy, like D and D type term of like something similar to humans that isn't quite human. And I've seen speculation that Kuma might technically kind of like giants or fishmen be something that's a little, just slightly different. And I, I think I've seen these images referenced as kind of an argument for that of like kuma's proportions as a kid are just a little extra weird and they're similar to blackbeards Mm -hmm. um and like you said john i I think this is really fascinating because this was kind of a a typical shit post sbs type question but just by doing the exercise naturally yeah i think oda was kind of teasing at some of their backstories in a way that um hasn't come up previously you know, because like if you're gonna answer that question sincerely, what do they look like like kids? You have to think, well, what were they doing as kids? Yeah, um, and yeah, I don't, I don't have an answer for that either. But it's it's really fascinating to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, also, 
the green star that Usopp did. Do you yeah. guys like that? Our boy is finally coming in clutch, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mention that power up because that was actually really cool. He saves them a couple times. Honestly, like of all of the time skip power ups, I, I think that Usopp's might be my favorite. He also had the biggest transformation, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's ripped now. He's it's looking so, cool. so good. He was a sumo wrestler, and now he's like a, uh, you know, stacked plant man. Man, yeah. No, honestly, a physical fitness uh, role model. But just the idea of like, hey, Usopp just has these insane, like, plant-based bullets now. <laughs> like, now he's like a, he's like a, a projectile druid. <laughs> I was going to say he's almost like Great a and d 5e ranger. Where he just yeah, has magical yeah. slingshot bullets. <laughs> it's it's awesome. I'm I'm so happy about that. that yeah, direction for him for sure. Uh, I, oh, and then the kung fu point also yes, that Chopper yeah. has, where he turns into like a jacked Bruce Lee ass deer. <laughs> yeah, Chopper's right. got a new point. Yeah. Um. We sorry. I, I know we we are we had a break, so that the time stamp is not entirely accurate. But we have to talk about Luffy and Shiroshi a bit. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, the giant woman. <laughs> she the is big, the big lady, the big bitch, the big woman. <laughs> what was the Game of Thrones? I, I want to meet the big woman. Yeah, the big woman. <laughs> she. Yeah, yeah. Shirohoshi is, and again, not to not to. Shirohoshi is a very important character. Um, I, I, I think we have yet to discover exactly how important she's going to be, but we'll, we'll get some very tantalizing stuff by the end of this. But um, I really like Shirohoshi and Luffy as a just like. Mutt and Jeff comedic pair. Um, I don't know. I, 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 to me, it just made perfect sense. He's smelling food. That was the nearest food. He wanders in. He breaks in, and he walks yeah, across her just, tits. He walks across. He, yes, he he, <laughs> he does walk across her tits. There's no getting away from that. But uh, she is just like I, I. Obviously, her main character trait, other than being like extremely big and nice, is that she is a crybaby. <laughs> um. Big and nice. Luffy gives her a <laughs> uh, a nickname uh, in later chapters. That is how I tend to think of her. But uh, she's also I, I really like the the dynamic though of like she's curious and kind of her being cooped up has made her sort of not a hundred percent fluent in like social cues. Yeah, um, because and it's also interesting because we recently found out that Luffy used to be a crybaby like her. So he's yeah, that's kind of fallen point. into the ace slash Sabo role where he's like, grow up, stop fucking oh. crying. <laughs> but wasn't he like reminiscing about his crew and he had just come back from nearly dying that part you're talking about? Well, he, not no. even just the, like the present day, just like when, when Luffy was more of a sheltered kid himself, like he was oh, the crybaby. Okay. John, I'm so glad you said that because that's really recontextualizing this for me. Because when he says, you're a crybaby, I hate you. Like he, he really is just echoing what Ace said to him. And like I think yeah, Ace yeah. meant it at the time, but like Oh yeah, that Luffy's is true. literally thinking, Oh, I should be the big brother now. Yeah, he's and, modeling his behavior off of Ace, oh. which is probably not the best thing to do, but you know, it's human. It's not I, I, I do I like their dynamic. it just makes more sense to me. It, it feels a lot better done now that you, you phrased it that way. It makes a lot of sense too. Um I'm so fucking Megalo. smart. No, man, you nailed it. That was a great <laughs> fucking insight. This is why we're doing this podcast. Uh, poor Megalo the shark having to just nearly strangle on carrying this enormous, um, just delightful princess in, in its entire body. For, 
and we cannot emphasize how big she is. She is so and large. Didn't didn't she say like uh, so? Thank you, you saved Megalo, and Luffy's like who? Like <laughs> oh yeah, that fish that was like just happened to be there or something. It's so great. Well, yeah, when something randomly happens that pays off later, and they're like, "Oh, you, thank you, you, you saved our shark's life." It's like I, I just kind of punched a squid, and a shark popped out. But yeah, sure, totally. <laughs> you know what? I forgot to bring this up earlier, this real fast. But like, why did the kraken agree to help them? Like, it seemed like they just Luffy punched the kraken, and then it like there's like two panels where it's like. Uh, or no, someone says stop fighting, right? I, I forget who says stop fighting. And then the character's yeah. like, okay, I'll help you now. And I was like, what? Luffy, like, you just had enough, I guess? Th- this, so, this is another. Away? This is kind of another complaint of mine of it, it just happens off screen. We don't know. Like, yeah. they all tumble down, and it's like, it's Luffy, Sanji, and uh, Zoro. And, like, by the time they show up again, he's just, I don't know, he's just tamed the beast. You know, it's like breaking a wild horse. Breath of the mm-hmm. Wild. We were talking about Breath of the Wild, right? Later yeah. on, you'll get to ride a horse, and the way that you can capture a horse, it's going to try to throw you off the whole time. And if you can yeah. manage to stay on and calm it down, then it recognizes you as its rider or whatever. The alpha horse. But at the same time, though, <laughs> like, like we met the other Neptunians, and they like embarrassed the Kraken successfully. Of like they did, they viciously mocked it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, what a nerd. <laughs> I, I do think that is part of Luffy's power. Honestly, is that he can just say mm-hmm. he wants to be friends with an animal and then make it happen. When well, to uh, be fair, like he just spent the last two years on an island exclusively populated by gigantic, crazy animals. Yeah, that's right. And you know, he established them himself as the alpha of the entire island. Um, and he didn't so, even want to eat them anymore. But I thought that he would become vegetarian after that, that experience, oh, my, right? No, hell no. Now. I can't eat you. That's that's why he was the alpha because he was like, I will only not eat the ones I really like. So yeah. you better suck up, motherfucker. Or I'm gonna eat yeah, you. Like, he, he wanted to eat the kraken at first, and it's like, oh, okay, 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 we're not gonna eat you anymore. I guess that's fine. He even got mad at Zoro for cutting his leg into six pieces. <laughs> yeah, and, and when they first get to Fishman Island, or they're like, uh, do you have any meat here? They're like, oh, we don't have meat on Fishman Island. We only have you know kelp, blah blah blah, and kelp, seaweed, whatever. He's like, oh, you, oh, we do have meat, like shellfish, like scallops. And he's like, how dare you call that meat? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot so about bad. that. That rules. That's awesome. Um, Matt, did you want to talk about the art real quick before we get to yeah, our closing th- thoughts? I, I don't have a lot to say about the art, but like, I, I think that this one of the major strengths of this art is it is fucking gorgeous. Um, to me, that is especially so as the Sunny is going under- underwater for the first time. And they're really getting this cool stuff of like underwater um, ocean currents. And I have no idea how like true any of this is. I, I kind of suspect that this is something that has been researched and, and is at least based on, you know, real life. But, um, you know, getting down there, getting down to like the pitch black darkness of like mm-hmm. the truly subterranean with these crazy fish. Um, I, I did see a blobfish. I, I have to. Uh, respectfully acknowledge to uh, Oda that blobfish only look like what we think blobfish look like because that's what they look like when you pull them up Take to all the, the surface. Pressure away. Yeah, the poor things. They they basically get inverted like that. Um, the pig monster from uh, Galaxy Quest um, turned inside out. But great pull. Thank you. Talking about <laughs> Galaxy Quest right now. Yeah, this is uh, some yeah, highbrow it, shit. Dear listener, Bye. if you have not seen Galaxy Quest, uh, please go out. <laughs> If you like Alan Rickman, Alan Rickman is um, great in that movie. But yeah, like I, 
the ocean stuff is so beautifully drawn. Um, it's so cool to look at. And like Fishman Island itself is, it's got this really cool, it's not quite like a ship in a bottle, but it's just like, you know, a large and a small kind of like glass bubble almost. And this whole society in it, the architecture is cool. It's, I don't know, Dragon Quest Eleven has kind of like an underwater like village like this. And, and it really makes me feel warm and, and fuzzy. And then when they leave that and they go to like the underwater forest where they meet Jinbei, I, I really love the, just like the trope of like a holy forest. Like Secret of Mana was one of the most important games of my life growing up. And when they just go out to this just like beautiful grove that just bathed in light from the Eve tree, we had, we had an Adam tree and now an Eve tree. And they make a point of restating both. It's so cool to look at. It's so pretty. Uh, like this, this is one of, if not maybe the prettiest arc in One Piece for me. Uh, hell yeah. Well, let's get into our rating and review, if that's okay with you guys. Uh, Patrick, out of seven Berry Kingdoms. Me? Oh, I thought you were going to say more. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Seemed like you were about to take over, but then you didn't. No, I no, was we, we've only asked you to do it first for like, the entire podcast history. But. <laughs> me, you say? <laughs> um, this wasn't my favorite arc. Um, it's not over. Coming after the last one. Yeah, I saw it's like 50 chapters. We're only a tiny way through it. Mm-hmm. About a third um, way through, yeah. And in fact, I don't no, know. We're, we're this actually kind of exactly felt like a, a cool break to me because they... Oh, ugh, I forgot to break this up too, but it's, it, this kind of has the feel of like episode one Phantom Menace when they're in the water of Naboo, like in the mm. ocean. Jar Jar Binks, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, and Obi-Wan are kind of like flying through and there's big monsters chasing after them, blah, blah. Oh, I got yeah. that kind of vibe, which I think is I think is pretty cool. I think it's a good uh, scene setting thing they do with the whole undersea stuff, which we haven't really spent really any time in, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give points for that. Um, I just felt like it wasn't as strong as it could have been. So I'm going to do like five out of seven, five and a half out of seven kingdoms, Berry kingdoms, Arlong Park kingdoms, Arlong Park Junior kingdoms, <laughs> Fishman kingdoms. As for myself, I think I'm going to go three Berry kingdoms out of seven. Uh, I'm giving, wait, no, I'm doing. Five. Sorry, you were you were fucking killing me by switching from the tears. I don't know what I, to make look, of any of this anymore. I wanted to have a system, Matt, but Patrick was <laughs> oh so obstinate. Wait, what? that's hey, the wrong obstinate. word. Obstinate. <laughs> You're such obstinate. a virgin that you wouldn't fucking listen. Uh, Guess what? Guess what, bitch? That just means we got a new obstinate person now. Because I'm not. I'm not changing. Okay, I'm we need to hash this over. out. This episode cannot end until we resolve this. We'll cut all this out, Are we out, going Berry Kingdoms or Ranks? It's up to you, buddy. No. I know it's how you're feeling every day. Follow your heart, I John. tried to tell you guys what to do, and this is where we got. I've so. been doing it the whole fucking I used, time. I used are, my Berry Kingdom hockey on John, and it worked. John, you are the one who has crossed over. Answer your own conscience. Right. I went from trying to tell Patrick how to do it to trying to tell you how to do it. And neither this of you want to do what I say. So. Street. I'm not I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not going anywhere. Okay. Uh, that is Matt's opening offer. Patrick, uh, what do you have to say to this? Uh, to convince him? I'm just saying he'll see the Barry Kingdom light eventually. It's the, uh, it's the most beautiful rating system there is. You just put Kingdom after whatever it is you want to say. I would matter. love to do a reference to a podcast that y'all did together like two years ago that I was never on. Yeah, I'm totally going to change everything. You could, you could do it out of like a different number, too. You could do it out of like 20. We're at a 10. 
<laughs> this is ludicrous. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Please. So I am doing... Okay, well, since we haven't resolved it, I will say I'm doing five berry kingdoms or a B rank. What about you, Matt? Uh-oh. Man, I... um. So I will say I, I'm going to rate this higher than I initially thought I was based on this fantastic conversation with y'all. Um, I have really mixed feelings about Fishman Island. Um, I, I think that I'm... I'm liking it more than I did on my first run, but I also think that we haven't gotten into the stuff that I, I kind of bounced off of a little bit. Um, just hard on my sleeve, I, I kind of made a jokey reference to this last episode, but this is probably my least favorite arc in, in, in all of One Piece. Um, I, I think that it, it, it tries to do some really admirable stuff, but it, this is maybe the only time in the entire series where Oda doesn't feel entirely sure of himself or like confident in what he's doing and there's just a lot of like going left and then trying to go right like zolo being at the banquet off screen and then getting imprisoned off screen and then breaking out off screen is just a little much and and like we were kind of saying it's like really we're doing like 50 plus chapters for this it's like that's a lot and, and like there are, there are way more egregious examples of this but i think the main criticism of the new world that i'd make is that Stuff just starts getting really bloated um, in a way that didn't apply to the older stuff, and um, I don't know. But there, there's some really cool stuff here. I I love you know Jinbei coming back. Jinbei is one of my favorite characters. Mm -hmm. He's such a heavy hitter. Um, the caribou stuff. I I I hate caribou, but the fact that I hate him that much is kind of a, a testament to how good he is. Um, I wish Hody was just a little less boring. I, I like his design, but I don't know. He just doesn't have a lot going on um, motivation yeah. wise. Um, there's a lot of funny stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff. There's a lot of pretty stuff, but it, it it's just a little mixed. So that being said, I um I love a lot of the stuff we're saying. You you contextualizing Shirahoshi and Luffy uh, as like him and Ace is is really the main thing pushing this up for me. So I'm gonna go B plus. Um, the worst the worst One Piece is still very very good, and and I think that this arc is the thesis statement for that for me. Um, we're we're running late, so I'll make this brief, but uh. I'm glad you brought up the stuff about Zoro because I actually think um, that's a good point. I think um, Oda is trying to not give us a lot of information about Zoro's power-up. And so he is kind of clunkily just writing Zoro out of the story by mm. off-screening him. And that's an interesting I see it, why yeah. he's doing it because he wants to slow roll that. <laughs> but it kind of just ruins this arc a little bit <laughs> not completely it's ruins, not but that and like a combination of other things together just yeah i see what you're saying so yeah um you can email us as always at devilfruitpunch at gmail.com our intro and outro music is by the notorious beatsmith matthew ross album still coming at some point you can follow us on tiktok <laughs> at devil fruit punch and we're gonna finish the show at some point um that yeah. First episode uh, of covering the Netflix show has been out for a couple weeks now at this point. So, um, hasn't only been out a couple oh. weeks? Well, because this isn't coming out until the future time. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, this is not going to come out for a while. Whoops. <laughs> so, anyway, until next time, ahoy! Ahoy!